I'll be back. Today's episode is brought to you by Davey Kerminator. This is Patreon Request Spoilers. Josh, right before the episode, was like, whose pick is this? I was like, just wait, just wait, it's coming. Um, hey, everybody, welcome to Spoilers. Like I mentioned, this is a Patreon-commissioned episode, and we're here to talk again about the 1984 James Cameron classic, Redemption Tour for The Terminator. First time we've ever redone an episode, on, or redone a movie on the podcast. Uh, episode 18, Stevie and I talked about it, but let's introduce <laughs> our hosts, including Stevie, Going east to east, Davy Kerr sent us an opening question. Um, and he let us pick between two movies. We picked Tron or Terminator over Tron Legacy. And his opening question was I have hearing aids, actually. I'm curious. The opening question you should do is Do you watch a movie or TV show with subtitles on? Pretty straightforward question. Weast to east. I know the answer for Stevie. Corey, we'll start with you. Hello, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. Hi, Davey Kerr. I look forward to having you as a guest on Big Dumb Movie someday. We have talked, and uh, I think that's going to be fun. To answer the question you did ask, yes, I do watch movies and shows with subtitles 100% of the time, unless it's stand-up comedy. To answer a question you didn't ask, what is my Terminator movie ranking? Mm. Now here's here's what everyone's here for. Oh right, man, we know. <laughs> should I do it or should I not do, do it? it? Do, do it. it. Do it. All right. I believe there are six Terminator movies. It's kind of like hard to track because I stopped numbering them after three. <laughs> I'm gonna go from the worst to the best. And the worst Terminator movie by far is Terminator Genesis. Who here has not seen Terminator Genesis? I have not. I own it, but I have not seen it. Genesis. That's the 2015 Terminator. It was one of the many Terminators to give its big reveal in the trailer. Stupid. So stupid. The big reveal, guys, guess what? John Connor is a Terminator. What? What? Yeah, bullshit. Hmm. Following that, Terminator Dark Fate. That's the most recent one. Big Dumb Movie episode. <sighs> so many things are wrong with that movie. I did a podcast on that, actually. For one, it's woke, which is a problem, right, Brett? Don't ask me. Look at the box office. <laughs> I thought we agreed not to use that term. Who did? Me and Kylo. No, we're, we're selective about which woke movies are box office failures and successes. <laughs> if I don't, don't like they, it. Don't they kill John Connor in two minutes because they just can't have a male lead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because Edward Furlong is now like a 45-year-old alcoholic that looks nothing like the 12-year-old version of himself. Poor bastard. That was probably a factor. <laughs> Jeez. Terminator Salvation is next. Dog shit, directed by G. This is the one that promised, what is Judgment Day like? What's the post-apocalyptic world of humans versus Terminators like? And apparently it's pretty fucking boring. T3, Rise of the Machines, started to become like Freddy Krueger territory, I think, after 2, where it's like, 
this movie like rides the line between like an action movie and a comedy movie. There's way too much stupid comedy in that movie. Smoking hot. The villain is fucking absurd. Like they just threw everything at the wall. Like what's better than a T2 or a T2? What's better than a T1000, the liquid metal guy? How about like a liquid metal woman that can can also like fire lasers out of her titties or whatever. So fucking stupid. Next up is this movie, The Terminator, for reasons I will discuss later. But the greatest Terminator movie, as we can all agree, as all of humanity can agree, is T2 Judgment Day. Absolute fucking masterpiece. Some of the best action scenes you'll ever see. Very creative special effects were brought into that movie. Such an emotional and strong story. It just really hits every mark. T2 Judgment Day. Perhaps the greatest action movie of all time. Top two leads can't act, but you know. Perhaps the greatest episode of Big Dumb Movie of all time. Stevie, I think you're the next Weestus. We did an episode on this. Davey's opening question, obviously. Do you watch movies with subtitles? We all know the answer is yes. Bonus opening question. What do you remember about the first time we talked about this movie? Uh, I think it was just... I think it was immediately after work we decided to... Like, bang out an episode real quick during the middle of the week. Even worse. What's that? Pappy was, like, in an airport watching it on a little laptop. Yeah, watching it on an iPad. After he had freaking jet lag. <laughs> on a plane that denied me water going from Australia to Hawaii. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, I remember, I remember it was a fun episode to talk about. I remember it was, like, one of the original, like, Stevie Pappy episodes. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> When did you start using subtitles? I started using subtitles, let's see, probably right after I got married, because my, my in-laws are the ones that got me on it. They put on subtitles for everything. I was like, why do you guys do this? And it's actually really nice to have subtitles, especially because like, you pick up little things like you can't even hear on screen that are like being said in the text. I enjoy that a lot. So I'm subtitles for everything, including sports. Including sports. Wow. Yeah. There's usually such a bad leg with the sports. I hate that. Josh. Yep. Do you use subtitles for sports too? (laughs) I don't watch sports. This is Josh from Goshen. Um, I feel like back when I did watch sports more copiously, yes. What a word. I would would never use subtitles. I, I just didn't do it back then. But I've really had a change of heart on this, probably even over the course of spoilers' existence. Um, I, I try to watch everything in subtitles. If I was watching an IU game or something, I would try to get subtitles. Although usually I'm watching from some weird stream because they have like the weirdest channels ever. What channel are their home games on this year? Mostly Brett, Big Ten. Well, they're going to be good, so probably going to be on better channels. They're at least going to be ranked I early just- on, so. Let's let's knock on wood for that one. But <laughs> I think they're preseason ranked number fourteenth. I want to do something weird, Pappy. Ooh, if you don't mind. I like weird. I if if you're actually a big fan of spoilers, listening to this, I work for an entity called Grotto Network. You can Whoa. YouTube us. We make mini docs, and I only bring this up because you should watch them because a lot of them are good. Look for the ones that I produced. Wink, wink. Just joking. They're all good. But um, I. I became like senior producer there within the year. And one of the first things I changed was like every 
mini doc we have in every iteration we publish has subtitles like baked in. I just think it it's a better storytelling for us and people need it on it like their good. phones and stuff. It looks good on your so, stuff. Thank you. How did your suggestion to add trivia at the end of each of the mini docs go? Was that well received? <laughs> I actually am trying to get rid of trivia on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we know. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Patreons know. Davy Kerr voted yes. He likes trivia. Um, I'll go next. Uh, Davy, thank you again for being a Patreon. Uh, obviously, big fan of the subtitles. I think I've been using them for at least the length of spoilers. I feel like that's what coincided with it. But I, I just miss things. Like, I don't hear words correctly and i like just miss your lines all the time if i don't have the subtitles on um i like when it tells you what song's playing too uh, i can't do the sports thing now it's way too way too delayed does that remind you of watching movies as a kid weirdly pappy like things kind of going over your head like they say a line and you catch maybe a third of its meaning or something like sometimes that's good right i used sometimes i used to think the word like you know when you cuss and you say shit I used to think that was sit. So I remember being like, oh, sit. Like, because I thought I had heard that in a movie and it was only like, this is when I was really little. But yeah, Brett, last but not least, Subtitle King. Uh, I mean, I I thought I was up there, but uh, I think Stevie watches subtitles at movie theaters and sports. So he's got me there. I do watch it with stand up, especially if it's like somebody I don't understand very well, like a British person or... I'll just leave it at that. Um, what is? That? I used to not do what the uh, hell? A damn foreigner! <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. But anyway, what, what is leave it at that? Everyone's going to assume the worst if you don't name it. Well, like someone who's speaking a different form of English, a lot of slang and stuff like that. No, Hunt just for the wilder people. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I don't know every. I don't know every slang word in the world, so I have to like I miss certain stuff, and I like to watch Southerners. Like that, but if it. I think Corey probably has a problem with it for the same reason that best friend Drew has a problem with comedy is it ruins punchlines sometimes. Um, but I like it pretty much everywhere except for, I mean, I don't need it at a movie theater. I, I would, it'd be nice, but I'm not going to get a screen and headphones and stuff like that. I think Stevie, you do that, don't you sometimes? They have those little screens that come out and you get headphones for subtitles or. Um, no, but I do think that it's ridiculous that movie theaters haven't, like, offered an app yet, though, that you can bring your own headphones to connect to and adjust a movie at your own I volume. I think they do. I have this condition, and I, I'm on some, like, boards and stuff, and some people have to go, when they go to movie theaters, they have to do that. They have these screens that come out with subtitles on them, and they provide headphones for you. I think if you asked, they would do that. Mm. It's like you stick it in the cup holder, and that's the anchor, and then there's like a little, like when those old school things where the texts go by, from what I've seen. But I, th- I think I would miss too much, so. Uh, but yeah, I love subtitles. My uh, wife and I watch subtitles with everything. It's tougher on like live TV or like direct TV or streaming, and I'd actually rather not watch uh, AI-generated ones like on YouTube. YouTubes are awful. Never. Never so bad. Either. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'd rather not understand something than watch that on YouTube. It's so bad. It's funny for like a couple minutes because you're like, that's not even close to what he said, but it's not worth it. So other than that, love them. Do you remember like the raid where the subtitles were different than what they were saying in the dub? That was like one of Same the worst with, things uh, ever. Same uh, with Josh's 36th uh, Chamber. 
36 Chambers was like that. It builds the lore. <laughs> you know, that happens a lot with the media that's dubbed, that's, you know, shot in a different language. It was a big news story, the um, Squid Game. Brittany told me about it, and I didn't, like, I was like, oh, I'm sure they're just messing around. And I saw, like, countless articles about it. Like, the translations were just flat out wrong, and you missed certain things. Um, but In the dub version? Unfortunately... Yeah, I, we watched it on dub. I, I didn't even think there was another version. I know Brittany would have wanted to watch it on dub anyway, but if it was just me, I probably would have preferred subs. But, but yeah, the dub was like really messed up. I made it through one episode of the dub and I couldn't do it. It's bad. It's not bad. You get used to it, but it's like no, it's god awful. It should never exist. It's bad. <laughs> We're subs over dubs on this podcast, but great opening For sure. question, For Davey sure. and Brett. You brought up AI generated subtitles which we all universally hated speaking of ai Corey, i want to come to you as a terminator expert this is revealed throughout exposition of the movie but i think it might just be helpful to say out loud what is happening in los angeles 2029 and what is like the basic premise of why all this time travel and the time loop is happening ah yes terminator the time travel movie the it AI is the movie. The Arnold movie. It is, though. You know, Pappy, uh, this is pretty commonly known. I am going to explain it just like you asked, but I want to say before I explain it that it's interesting to me like how big the Terminator franchise has gotten. right? Because you can tell watching this movie that this is like a, a mid-to-small-budget 80s sci-fi movie. Small. And... There were a lot of those at this time, right? A lot of uh, a lot of people running around shooting lasers, many of which were forgotten in time. This movie spawned a huge franchise, though, and this story that I'm about to explain is pretty much now known just by like everyone. I think that has like been either not I don't want to say grown up with Terminator, but like knows it at least on a vague level. And anyway, to answer your question, what? the story is of the Terminator. There's a post-apocalyptic future. The humans, what remains of humans, are at war with these machines. There's a an AI sentient being called Skynet, creates cybernetic organisms, or in some cases just robots that the humans are at war with. They send a uh, I guess they send technically a Terminator back, which is different than their main force, their main army, but they send someone back to kill the leader of the human resistance's mother so that the leader, John Connor, is not born. The humans send back someone to protect her, Kyle Reese. DV, do you like that we get to see Los Angeles 2029 in this movie? See it? Um, do we really get to see it? In five-foot increments. Yes, did we really (laughs) get to see it? No, I actually (laughs) love the... um, Flash forwards. I actually kind of like it a lot. I think there's some miniatures that are involved. Um, It looks pretty cool. And... um, Yeah. Do I wish we spent less time there? Yes. Quite a bit. But, I mean, I'm not mad that I saw it. Multiple flashbacks to Stevie's point is probably a little much. It's a lot. The look of it 
is a freaking vibe, guys. That if you have you guys ever played Contra? Oh yeah. Or Contra Contra Two, more preferably. Like three. I have seen this. But go on. Oh yeah, you're right. Contra Three. That was like SNES, right? Yes. Did they have the levels that were like straight above that were kind of impossible? Yeah, that's where it got really difficult. You get those like every (laughs) three levels. Yeah, every third level I think was the top view. Very weird, but Pappy. I interrupted you. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. Um, so let's actually get into the characters because the first three scenes of this movie, I mean, after the opening sequence, which I actually am a big fan of when we see flash forward LA 2029, but the first three scenes establish our three main players. And Josh, I'll come back to you. There is arguably not a more iconic actor and role than Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. It's so ubiquitous. How does this movie start off with him? What, what's our first, the world's first view of the Terminator? As pecs. You said main three, and I was thinking you meant punk, punk, and punk leader. <laughs> Bill Paxton, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's legend. the punk leader. <laughs> uh, we see Arnold Schwarzenegger in the nude. Oh, it's yeah. almost like at the beginning of Superman when, like, Superman shows up, little baby Clark Kent. Well, he's like, I don't know, he's like 10 or 12. And I think you just see his dong and stuff. It's really weird. <laughs> it is weird. But it's, they shouldn't have done that. But I do think if you turn up the brightness in a couple of these oh, shots, yeah. Pappy, I think there's some hung Arnold dong. Swaying. Oh, yeah. It's freaking swaying in the breeze. But if you're not looking carefully for that, you can't miss his glorious buttocks as he looks out over... And now, uh, an L.A. that's not destroyed. He's never seen this version of L.A. So he kind of, this might be the only time in the movie he takes a second to, like, take it all in, you know? Mm-hmm. The beautiful city of L.A. <laughs> this dude is so fucking jacked. He is he's less a, jacked. He's a freaking specimen. He is less jacked in 90s movies. In the 80s movies, he was, like, too big. Like, he doesn't seem as functional physically in this movie <laughs> as he does in T2 Judgment Day because he's like slightly leaned out. I mean, he's still incredibly jacked in T2, but he's slightly leaned out. And uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing this dude up here, this is like a fucking behemoth of a man. I mean, everyone knows Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like I think people tend to forget about like primetime 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger and how fucking massive he is. And I'm not talking about his dick, although it's impressive. It's so big. Yeah, it's like Brett said, it's swaying. It's going past his <laughs> one leg and past the other leg, like a, a pendulum on a grandfather clock. It's insane. Um, Bill Paxton's look, speaking of insane, I love the way he looks. He's got blue fucking spiky hair. He's got a face tattoo. Um, we were pretty critical, Stevie, back in the day of some of the dialogue in this movie. I'm I'm a little over it watching it this time. Like The wash day stuff doesn't doesn't really bother me. As much. Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me now. Fuck you, asshole. Kyle Reese, the second main character who comes down. What's what's he like? Because I feel like the movie does a good job of visually contrasting him. With the Terminator and showing us that he's like a human person. 
Yeah, first of all, I, I'm sure you guys will probably get into some Michael Bean hate, but you won't get me to say anything bad about Michael Bean. I love him. I love him in everything. I think he's the most underrated action star of all time. Um, and he's your boy. I think he's perfect in this movie. Um, but yes, he is the opposite of Arnold. Like Kylo was talking about, Arnold's just pure bulk. He's massive. Like, yeah, he gets a little more ripped to go along with the bulk later on. But here, it's just like humongous. And Kyle Bean's not. He's unassuming. He blends in. Actually, kind of what the original Terminator was supposed to be. He was supposed to be an everyman that could blend in. But, like, as soon as James Cameron, like, decided he wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in it, he, like, couldn't see anybody else in it. And, obviously, they made the right decision. I want to say, too, in terms of the physique, Brett, if I can jump in here. Go ahead. Michael Bean as Kyle Reese... He looks like a dude that is a soldier in a post-apocalyptic era. In terms of physique. Yes. And he, he's very wiry. He's thin but muscular. You can tell he's not, you know, this dude is on a, a calorie deficit constantly. And he's always working. He's always fighting. The stuff they're eating in the future would be like a downgrade from what, what's her face? Ar, not Arwen. Uh, Eowyn. Eowyn is feeding the men in two towers. Like it's worse than that. It's like just yeah. yellow, just nasty slop. pace. Yeah. The occasional rat. What do you guys know about Michael Bean's personal life? I, I honestly don't know anything. Is they, he like <sighs> alive? Like, is he doing okay? They talk about it in um, the rewatchables. Like they think he's just maybe one of those guys who, I don't know, never really, he, he did like the blockbusters, but always kind of was searching He's kind of one of those people Stevie likes to uh, talk about where he maybe made somebody mad along the way or he made a mistake, kind of like you were talking about. With, I'm not saying he's as good an actor as uh, God, Memento. Help me out. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Like, he should have been way bigger than he was, like a big, early, massive star, Abyss, Aliens, stuff like that. And then he gets into Tombstone. And then it's kind of like. He's got a hundred. Yeah. He's got a lot of credits. He's got a, 112 credits. He's working on IMDb. Like he was in The Mandalorian. He's got a TV show that he's in. But but you're right. I mean, like for being essentially the action lead, the action hero of one of the biggest 80s movies of all time, he kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. I yep. I don't know. I feel like they. I don't have the same love for him that you do. Yeah, I feel like sometimes fine. he feels a little like dis connected or like you know i don't know like i feel like there could have been like some better casting there but i 100 percent agree like having arnold as the terminator is a great call and a great casting so i'm not going to criticize james cameron there uh but stevie last but not least sarah connor what's her life like in the 80s a very typical 80s life she leads i mean it must be nice to like be able to like afford a house with a roommate on a waitress salary like at 18 years old not even a good waitress. Not either. even a good waitress <laughs> and can like still pay rent. That is awesome. Um, you try waiting tables in LA. Hey. No yeah, what's her no problem? Wait. As long as I don't have James what's Corden. Complaint? As long as I don't have James Corden as a customer, I'll be fine. Yeah. What did not she do that was so bad? Just spilling stuff on people. Spilling stuff, getting orders wrong, not getting coffee fast enough, not getting people's orders down. I mean, she could have been a little more gracious when that kid dumped ice cream in her, uh, her apron. Like... I don't know. I thought she was kind of rude about that, but um, she was rude. 
Those people that? were assholes. <laughs> they were like, we should have given you this the tip, kid. This is a kid. bad take from Stevie. <laughs> what is right, this? I, she is a bad waitress. <laughs> Do you guys like not but... know sarcasm? I mean, <laughs> like, it's not a serious take. You're selling it too hard. I know. I'm sorry about that. That's not a serious take at all. No, but um, yeah, her life is just, you know, <laughs> it's pretty simplistic until... Sarah Connor start to get mowed down left and right. She's got an iguana. She's got a roommate. You were talking about the Cotters getting mowed down. I, I should have waited because we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna talk about that. But like, have you guys heard about the original script? What was supposed to happen? It's supposed to be a lot darker. Uh, Sarah Connor was supposed to have like some ankle injury, and she had this supposed to have this rod in her leg. So the Terminator was gonna come back and like literally cut their legs off. And find out if that was the Sarah Connor or not looking for the the rod in the That'd leg. That'd have been so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, just completely take his time with him. But, yeah, that would have been kind of cool, but I don't this think... I mean, practical. budget. Almost These everything was a budgetary concern. Like, if you ever were going to, like, see the talent that James Cameron showed, at least early on, obviously he makes mistakes early on, but, like, the stuff he did to defeat this low budget and the studio hated this movie. They didn't even give it a, they didn't even screen it for critics uh, because they, they watched it. The guy, the main guy watched it. He's like, Nope. And then he decided to put like all this time and money behind Amadeus, which, you know, well, I don't think it was a blockbuster, but obviously won best picture, but hate that movie. Brent, if you had an unlimited budget, would your trip to the gun store be a lot like the Terminator's <laughs> trip to the gun store. Well, it'd probably be, have to be a little more realistic because some of those guns that he says and gets, you can't buy even in 1984. But uh, I'd probably get the plasma rifle with the 40 watt range. Um, the phased plasma rifle? Hey, only what you see, pal. <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't buy it. The, the, I mean, if, you, if you're not getting an automatic Uzi, it's literally... There's no point to it. I, I still don't get... And those are, like, illegal to sell, so... Is that I, not, like, an insane lapse of judgment to leave ammo on the counter like that, though? Like, that can't be a it thing. It is. And you will find that, like, 99% of... Probably more of gun stores, you, you don't do that. And in real life, if someone's got a live gun, a gun that's shootable, and they start grabbing ammo, you are not going to make it very long. Because I, I know from looking into experience, everybody who works in that store has a gun on them, and they will shoot you. Now, in this case, not going to matter. So what's the process like? So you go in, you want to get a gun and ammo. You don't get to like have them on the same table or whatever? <laughs> they put them in separate well, plastic bags so they can't be. No, yeah, you don't get to... They do one thing first. They process your gun. They're not going to give you anything until you pass your background check. You have to go over to a computer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this secondhand. I've never, ever been or bought one. But anyway, you go to your computer, you fill Legally. out your form, your I9, I9 <laughs> or whatever it's called. And then you wait for that to process. I mean, it could take 15 minutes. It could take an hour. And then when that's done, they're like, okay, they box it up and then. They bring it up to the front, and then they're like, what else can I get you? Then that's when you get your ammo. And yes, if you buy your stuff, and you're on the counter, and you start taking your gun out and your bullets out, 
they're not going to be very happy. You, let's face it, most of the people that go into gun stores are carrying, but they don't want to see your guns. They don't want to see your guns in your hands. You, you can't grab it. You can't say, Hey, I need to show you something. They don't want to, they don't want that. So yes, it's, he broke so many rules there. It sucks because that guy was like, Oh, I'm going to close early because he's going to make a freaking fortune. Those guns cost a fortune. I love that mini character arc, Brett. I'm glad you mentioned it because. The clerk goes from thinking he's got a heyday yeah, here. Yeah, amazing. Like a he's rich so customer. <laughs> I mean, he's going like, to get to take vacation. I <laughs> like AR-18 he buys and the shotgun and, and that. I mean, that's not a realistic. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have read about the little laser sight. Like there's like a big cord going up Arnold Schwarzenegger's arm that's connected to like a battery just to make it be able to function and then in the other hand he's literally got a button where he pushes it on you know your weapons buddy any one of these is ideal for home defense so uh what shall it be all let me close early today there's a 15 day wait on handguns but the rifles you can take right now you can't do that wrong can I tell you guys a quick story? Sure, mm-hmm. man. It's classic. When I was like in first or second grade, my dad, Jeff, you know, we brought up Jeff a lot. Oh, He's yeah. a huge gun smoke guy. Mm-hmm. He is a science teacher and he one day or actually like over the whole summer, he brought home a laser pointer. Now, this wasn't a small pen in 1990 <laughs> that you bought from like the convenience store. This was something you plugged into the wall, and the device itself was about as big as like a Pringles can. <laughs> it's for taking down but pilots. He put it on a shotgun, <laughs> didn't he? I will never forget at late at night hanging out with him in the living room, waiting for neighbors to get home. They'd park their car, start walking in. He'd peek the blinds up just a little bit and shine the laser pointer, like start confusing them, That's make so them scary, start man. walking around. He wasn't like putting it on him. He was just okay. like, I, was I don't know. If it's like he, on you, that's like an international, <laughs> you're going to crap your pants. <laughs> and he definitely wasn't putting it anywhere near like their face. But like, I just have a specific memory of the guy caddy corner to us. Like he was pointing it at his garage and he like bent down real low to try to take like a real close look at it. <laughs> and my dad just like turned it off and he was so confused. That's funny. People in the nineties just didn't know about this stuff, guys. So hopefully I answered your question. I, 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 if I had the money, I could buy maybe some of that stuff, but that stuff's way out of my price range. I'm sure you do fine, Brett. Like, <laughs> but now that the Terminator is stocked up, with guns it, it starts to get even more interesting i feel like the first time i watched this movie i didn't appreciate how cool of a concept it is just to be marking people based on their name and brett sent me the rewatchable podcast i think like that could be a whole movie premise in of itself almost like Definitely. just the like like everyone with this name's getting killed the her friend at the restaurant is very flippant about it when she's like you're dead check honey. it out it's hilarious <laughs> It's like Jesus Christ, a woman's been a woman's been murdered. Sarah Connor does not surround herself with the finest people, you know, no. in LA. <laughs> Including her roommate who's obsessed with music. Stevie, what happens after the Terminator's making his way down this list and winds his way up at Sarah Connor's apartment? Sarah Connor's off watching a movie. She got set up by some 
some loser dude, even though he has a Porsche. Um, so Ginger is home alone. What happens? Or home alone with her boyfriend. Does it bother anybody else that the Terminator is so flippant about just killing everybody and not just his like main directives? But he doesn't care. He doesn't have a conscience. What's the line, Corey? Uh, I'm a Terminator. I don't care. I don't have a conscience. No. <laughs> You'll get to it later, I'm sure. But like with the accent. I mean, conscious or not, conscience or not, but like, I don't know. It just seems almost kind of gratuitous to just be mowing down people left and right, not just like main directives. I think that, no, ma- and you're right. I think that makes it more haunting if he's just like hunting down Sarah Connors and not just everybody, because it really dilutes like kind of. I wouldn't say the premise of it, but just like we have to fear for the main character. And I feel like just killing everybody left and right, praying a bullet, you know, straightly kills a Sarah Connor. I don't know. That bothered me again watching watching this movie again for the tenth Real time. Quick though, Stevie, are you talking about her roommate? Or are you talking about like in Tech Noir? Everybody from the gun owner to like. I mean, well, it's confusing. But he doesn't have any money. That's fine. Like, I think it's way more haunting if it's like he's but he going. Kills her roommate, thinking it's her. I know that's great. That's great because that's his main directive, Brett. He shows up at Sarah Connor's residence, not just people left and right. Like with the gun owner, it's way more haunting if he's ignoring the gun owner and the gun owner is like trying to talk with him. He's ignoring him, ignoring him, ignoring him, not just putting a bullet in a shotgun and going wrong and then just murdering him. Like there's, I think it just like could have been done in a less clunky way. Here's the thing though, with the gun owner in particular, I think, first of all, yes, it is his directive to kill Sarah Connor, but his directive isn't just kill Sarah Connor, it's kill Sarah Connor by any means necessary. And with the gun owner, if he steals all that stuff and walks out the store, bam, he's got a trail of police on him. I don't think he gives and a shit this, about that. A murder scene is a trail like a trail of police on him too. Mm. What are you saying, Josh? Just confusing? <laughs> I just think it's to Stevie's point, but maybe a little bit different than what Stevie's thinking, I just think it's confusing who he chooses to murk and who he doesn't. Sometimes he'll walk past a guy. It's kind of like the ring race in LOTR. <laughs> like they just stomp the guy at the gate <laughs> for no reason. And they like slice a guy like by the port, right? They just like yeah. s- take his head off for no reason. But also sometimes they just like walk by people who are cowering. And I don't understand why the Terminator kills this person but tells this person just get out or if you do give him your clothes he'll spare you but he'll tear out the other guy's like spleen with his hands <laughs> Corey, I, don't, Corey, see, I, don't, Corey, I don't agree with Corey, anything you're saying Brett, Brett, okay but Corey weigh in on this <laughs> where, where are you where are you at because I, I, I think that I'm having a hard time thinking of a Terminator kill that wasn't probably the most efficient thing to do in that situation thank you i think it all depends on the situation and i think there's a lot of calculations that i am going through in my head for the terminator that aren't happening on screen that we're not seeing like what's the most efficient way to get from point a to point b you know what's the most effective way to maneuver through a situation without causing chaos where there's people in my way that are going to prevent me from getting to a certain spot like obviously he could just kill everyone he sees right but it's like gta you're gonna get all those fucking uh police on you all those stars five stars yeah and then you (laughs) have every cop in the area on your ass 
which eventually does become the case out of necessity in a certain point. But I don't think it's really um, an intelligent decision to do that all the time. I think there are times when there's like a manner of stealth that needs to be involved. And again, I think it's all like computer calculations. Like he's like weighing the percentages of when it should be done and when it shouldn't. So what's the percentage chance that you want to go after Sarah Connor while she's in full police custody instead of waiting 24 or 48 hours? I don't know. I think they're on high alert for a while. I don't, I don't think, you know, there's... What's the hurry? The guy at the front desk is Lay on low. high alert. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I don't think that there's a there's a really good way to like determine like how long do I wait? Like, do I wait it out for a few months? Do I go like hang around town? And, Does like, he have batteries that are going to run out? I mean, well, they last like 200 years, so that's not a concern. <laughs> okay. Thank I, you for knowing that. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of a single kill that doesn't help his mission or doesn't, isn't, that, to me, doesn't kill indiscriminately. Everything he does is calculated. It's not smart. Yeah. He's like a bull in a china shop. You're right about that, but he kills the police officer, uh, the gunshot person, because he doesn't have any money. I, he doesn't kill the two punks. I mean, according to the book, he kills Bill Paxton, apparently, but I hate that bit of trivia. We'll get into that later, maybe. But uh, he kills the people at Tech Noir because he's trying to kill Sarah. They are in his way. She is running. Uh, he kills the police officer because they are hiding Sarah Connor. And she's not going anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. That police station is always going to have 30 people in it, no matter if it's 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. He doesn't kill the, the truck driver. He just says, get out. He, he only kills people that are in his way or that benefits him. I, I disagree. I'm just saying I disagree completely. Him and Jafar are good guys. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> J- Jafar is actually a good guy in Aladdin too. He has a whole heel turn. <laughs> it's a switcheroo. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that like what it lends itself more to is the horror genre aspect of Terminator, right? Like a modern movie that I didn't even realize was influenced by Terminator until this rewatch is something like It Follows, right? Where part of the fear of it is his relentless pursuit. Even when they think, you know, that he's been injured, they slammed his car into this wall. Like Kyle's still like hauling ass trying to get out of there, like driving away, even though Terminator's got to go like repair, repair himself. It's just, he's going to not stop advancing towards the Sarah Connor at any point in time and going to like choose the most efficient way to get rid of someone. Um, but Stevie, do you, do you feel like it's a great time capsule or is it over the top that the fact that Ginger doesn't take her headphones out and doesn't hear her <laughs> boyfriend getting destroyed <laughs> in the next room? I mean, that's classic James Cameron though, right? Like some common sense like has to be like bent to pull off, you know, certain things he wants to on film. That's just the way that man rolls. You're going to feel the vibration if a 220 pound man is thrown was, against dude, the wall. Like right. literally, <laughs> dude, those headphones are so shit too. <laughs> it's like you can hear everything. Like if someone takes two steps in my house, like I'm gonna hear it. If someone is getting thrown through drywall and screaming, <laughs> neighbors down the street will hear it. Like, 
I mean, it's good for some effect, I guess. But yeah, I. Did anybody else find the slow motion confusing at times? Terrible. That's always just creepy to me. Well, it's terrible. It's never Josh. good. It's terrible. It comes in weird spots. I like the slow motion after coitus where they're holding hands and it fades. That to is black. a good one. Such good slow that, motion. That's a good one. <laughs> the O face. What the fuck fade. is that? It's so yeah, stupid. Yeah, there's some weird slow motion in this movie and. During, you know, the ginger murder, you know, along with the boyfriend, uh, there's also some weird slow-mo in there, too, but I actually don't mind this scene a whole lot because one thing I really, really love about this movie is it feels more like a horror movie than it does an action movie, and it really shines through, like, during this scene. You know how they do the slow-mo, Stevie, like, in the scene you're talking about where Arnold, the T-800, where he's, like, approaching a victim and he, like, shoots him like he does with ginger? Yeah. Or, like... What he does with the first Sarah Connor, who's not actually our Sarah Connor. I like those. What I will say about that is that they repeated that, like that same style, where like it's the low angle looking it's up weird. at him in the slow mo. <laughs> they repeated it in T two. Yeah. When he re encounters Sarah Connor at Pescadero uh, psychiatric yeah. facility, turns and turns and runs. So I I actually do really like it. If for nothing else, that callback. Because that's a fucking great moment of cinema. The thing that reminded me of a horror movie the most, though, was when like they're messing around with the iguana and it's kind of freaking them out. Pugsley, and you think it's yeah, you think it's going to be the Terminator, and it's like this little red herring, quirky little thing. Like no, that's it's a green exactly. iguana. What did I say? Red, red herring. herring. <laughs> uh, Okay, nice one. You got me, Brett. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, shit, I thought it was a Terminator. It's just an iguana. Oh, but the iguana's got a gun. <laughs> See, I think the, a good horror scene, and this is another, like, I, to go back. I, I, I'm not going to go back to that. I got a little heated earlier. I apologize. but like, Love the passion. Him finding the address of her mom and going there and killing her mom, to me, is pure horror. I love that kill. It's super scary to me. I mean, that's like worst nightmare for a lot of people. And that's how he gets, even though Sarah, if you want to see how dumb Sarah is, like literally she has one rule. Don't tell anybody where you are. And now Kyle could have told her that he can mimic voices, but maybe he didn't know that. So and she just falls for it right away, calls her mom or talks to her mom on the phone and, oh, all right, I'll tell you. So assuming that the Terminator can choose any accent, he chose an Austrian accent to <laughs> infiltrate uh, 1980s L.A. Um, well, wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you? Great point. You know, I wish my friend Steve was on this podcast with us, guys. He knows a lot about Terminator stuff. And you mentioned Brett when the killer, the Terminator, goes out to get Sarah's mom, who's in Big Bear. This is where Steve would lose his shit, this very conversation point, because that's a three-hour fucking drive from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the T-800, Arnold, the Terminator, drove three hours up north to Big Bear, <laughs> got on the phone, <laughs> filled up drove on back gas. down to the Tiki Motel. <laughs> filled up on gas. Yeah. Um, Josh, you said you didn't like the slow motion. So Sarah Connor is starting now to realize that there is a Sarah Connor serial killer on the loose. That's all she knows at this point. She thinks it's it's uh, Reese, Kyle Reese, uh, who's kind of been stalking her creepingly, creepily. Um, 
The scene that I remember the most features a lot of slow motion, though, and I was listening to some other people talk about it, and a lot of people think very fondly of the techno-ar scene. What do yeah. you think about the techno-ar scene? Because you've been very anti-shooting in nightclubs previously on this podcast, so just curious how you feel. <laughs> Why do you say that? Why? Why do you say that? Because on The Collected, you said that this feels inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Great, that was a, great more than a shooting. That, that was a freaking slaughter. <laughs> great, that prank. was a great prank cut, Pap. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I like this, Pappy? And I didn't know that there was like a cult following of this club online. But what I do like is that it's not like packed to the brim mm-hmm. with sweaty people. It's kind of like sparse. People are dancing. And you can see them and their moves because there's not many people around them. It's still it's um, expensive to get that many extras, and it's expensive to get in there. It's like four fifty. <sighs> so, what do people like about it online, Pat? That makes me very curious. What's the deal? What's the draw? I th- so when I thought back about Terminator, is it, it the vibe? Well, to me, it's more of this feels like its place in time you know what i mean in in the same way that purple rain which also came out the same year um has that scene in like the disco club like it's just so cool to set this with everybody who looks super 80s and like the music playing in the background is so ridiculous and super 80s and i i like the slow motion uh use of slow motion when the terminator finally makes eye contact with her and i think the sound design's really spectacular when it like changes from the like music in the club to the Terminator, just drum heavy, synth heavy, like clearly John Carpenter inspired eighties horror movie soundtrack. Brett, do you like the music to this movie? Like the Terminator theme specifically? Oh yeah, definitely. I think the score is uh, is very eighties in this movie. Oh yeah, and it has like you guys said, it has a horror movie vibe, which lends itself to like kind of what this movie was leaning into. In addition to being an action movie. It gets better in T2, but the theme is the same in both movies, in Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. I can't speak to the other ones because they're so unmemorable, but the theme is, like, tragic. I've always loved the Terminator theme. And, you know, there's different iterations of it. There's, like, the more synth-heavy one. There's, like, a, an acoustic guitar version later when, it's, when it goes more into the love story angle. But there's just, like, this, like, dreary tragedy to that theme song that is like so beautiful and just synonymous with these first two movies. like primal the drums feel because even though he's like this like piece of technology all he cares about is like his one singular objective and the movie feel or the music feels like really simple around that but after the club noir scene uh reese and sarah have like kind of hooked up at this point they're, they're on the same page they make a daring car chase escape they pull the old stop short of the wall while the bad guy pull, <laughs> like flies into the wall trick um and one of my favorite aspects of this as a horror movie is some of the body horror it's too bad that mikey's not here because he loves david cronenberg but Corey, 
Do you like the scenes that we get when the Terminator is trying to repair himself? He needs to regroup a little bit after smashing in to this wall at full speed. I, I do like them, yeah. I mean, I think that I liked them more when I was younger oh, because yeah, I was really interested in like the cyborg mechanical nature of this entity, right? And we get to see a little bit of that a little bit of that beneath the surface when he does that, like with his hand and his arm and like the mechanics of how intricate that is. I it was really just fascinated me like how that worked. And then like what is underneath the skin. But that being said, mm-hmm. it is an 80s movie and although they are using practical effects Sometimes they slightly remove you from the story because, uh, I mean, they did a great job for what they had, I think. Like, you know, I'm very impressed by what they did, but at the same time, some of it doesn't look super real. Some of it looks great. Some of it doesn't. Yeah, I think uh, Bill Simmons in The Rewatchables said that when he actually saw in the theater, when he saw, like, that dummy, the they said it was, like, the coolest thing he'd ever seen in his life, but... Again, that was a long time ago, and it, I mean, it's impressive. It took them six months to make. And I, I don't think it's impressive. Like the arm, the arm is impressive to me. The, the arm looks spectacular. Bad, but- the face looks horrible. The face, and then they try and be clever with it too, where it's like switching back and forth between like the mask, and he puts his glasses on, and it's Arnold. Like Stevie, I think we can maybe harped on this in like the episode eighteen, but. This does not hold up at all. Like these specific no, no, practical effects. No, it doesn't at all. I, I, I'm not arguing there. No, the face looks terrible. I mean, it's right on par with the stop animation of like the cyborg walking through flames and shit. Like those are stuff that like really stands out in this movie. Where you're like, ugh. Uh, I but, agree. Yeah, those are. I'd say like the face is like the glaring, glaring one. Hold on a second, though. There's. First of all, they're meta about this in the movie where they're like, we used to make rubber face terminators, but we could spot them That's right not away. Stop being meta. <laughs> that is. Come on. You like, don't think they noticed that in the script? I think that was put into the script because of how it fucking looked. <laughs> I don't I don't think you're looking at this through a 83-84 lens. I think it probably looked pretty cool. Yeah, maybe. But the arm looks great today still, and the face doesn't. And they're side by side yeah, no, next terrible. to each other in the terrible. same You're scene. Right. It, so it is, it's hard. It's for, hard to watch. Forget about the visual effects for a second. The story beat is terrific. 100%. I love, I love this thing that some movies do of where like a villain is hurt Predator. and has to like fix themselves. And it's almost like, heroic to what extent they go to do so and i think my favorite example of this is in pan's labyrinth uh it's like captain vidal or whatever he's like fixing his he's like sewing his mouth back together because it got sliced can you guys think of other movies where they hit this beat because it's almost always badass predator 2 i think i think brett you might yes did you say what happens just spell it out. What happens? So when the Predator is chasing Danny Glover around the city, he ends up getting hurt some way or another. And he kind of ends up in a bathroom similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I remember it feeling like very run down like this. Maybe it's just I'm conflating the two in my mind. But he's wounded and he has to like, he has his own special like healing concoction. He like breaks up glass yes. and debris. And he like <laughs> combines it with like alien space goo. 
and he like rubs it in his wound and it, it like hurts him and he like screams at the camera and like, if I remember correctly like cuts away as he's doing that. Stevie, you've seen a lot of movies. You got you got a movie that hits that beat that you like <sighs> where the villain heals himself? Yeah, or just kind of has to like he has to like reset himself or in some way, you know. Well, it shows that they're they're not like um indestructible. Does uh What's his name in No Country? Do that. Anton Chigurh. Yeah, he does. He jacks himself up like he, he limps. Like he gets jacked up with an explosion, doesn't he? He fixes himself a couple times, right? He gets like hit by a car, maybe at the end of the movie or something. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, he throws a throws his arm in a sling. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other movies where they do that. The collector does it at some point. He like falls into one of his pranks, has to sew up a wound. <laughs> I neglected to mention that after the old pull the brakes while the bad guy rolls into the, uh, or flies into the wall, uh, Sarah and Reese have been arrested. And so they're in the police station at this point. And Sarah couldn't be safer. Right, Brett, surrounded by 30 cops. What does Arnold Schwarzenegger say as he approaches the police station? The most, probably the most iconic line in the movie. Um, it doesn't, the, the line doesn't actually play out the way that you would think uh, if you only heard it out of context. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah, first of all, there's a great story behind this line, but, uh, well, I think it's great, but maybe it's just mediocre. But So, yeah, he goes to the police station, and he's met with, I don't know, I guess the cliche, um, Stevie, I think of uh, Hot Fuzz, the guy, nobody tells me nothing. Nobody um, tells me nothing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, Scottish there, huh? <laughs> but Dang, Stevie. He's, um, that was nice. He's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember what he, I can't remember what he says, but he's doesn't have time for, I mean, you'd think, again, we mentioned it earlier, you'd think they'd be on high alert at least. Um, someone just killed a bunch of people. And the, and the cop wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, Sarah Connor's in the back. She'll be out in a minute. Just try right, out like, here. They try to protect people. Plus, as Corey said at the beginning, that when a man like that walks into anywhere, you should be on alert. That is a scary looking man. But anyway, so he comes in and the guy says all stupid crap and then he says, I'll be back. I'll be back. And then you get to see, you know, one of the best dummies of all time get hit by the car. But yeah, that's the line And it has a story you're saying. Well yes, Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger wanted it to be I will be back because he had a really hard time saying I'll be back. And they got him and James Cameron got in this humongous fight and they were like in each other's face and Cameron's just like basically like F you, you're gonna say it this way. And then he did it, and Arnold was like, Yep, he was right, it was amazing that way. I think he originally wanted it to be I'll come back because he could say that easier too, but I will he, be back. Yeah, he, he wanted it to be like that, but Cameron like had this vision, he's like it's got to be this. It'll sound cool. And almost the way he says it, kind of like, you know, an Austrian <laughs> man who doesn't speak English very well. It comes out perfectly. It's iconic. Why is I'll be back so iconic, whereas I will be back misses the mark? That's hilarious. <laughs> but it does, so though, right? It does, yeah. I, the number of syllables, I guess. Iambic tam- pentameter. I mean, it's... <laughs> not not quite exactly iambic pentameter. Josh, the the scene at the police station—it's a bloodbath, though, right? It's pretty brutal, 
or Team Human. It might go a little <laughs> against Brett's theory of he only kills everyone that's necessary. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think that might not be true. <laughs> it's calculations, bruh. Fair enough. It's open warfare at this point. He's immune right? to the bullets. He probably could just walk towards where he was going. Another classic beat here, though. If you've ever seen Harry Potter or read Harry Potter, you know that there's no place safer than Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> and for Sarah Connor, there's no place safer than the police station. And of course, that's not true because that's where the bad guy expects her to be. And man, Arnold, he's a tank. Like, mm-hmm. he can just take bullets. And he's being tactical. He's not trying to take too many bullets. But, like, the thing that's kind of cool here, and I don't think we've mentioned, is that every human that comes across him that tries to hurt him expects him to, like, kind of die. And his trick that he is able to play on, like, everyone is that, like, no, I can take a hit or two and just blow you away. So, so many times here we see someone, like, kind of sneak up and get two shots on him. And then they just pause for a second, and he just turns around and puts, like, a two-inch hole in him. R.I.P. Lance Hendrickson. Yep. See ya. He goes out late, man. He goes out bad. And Paul Winfield. Like, I did not expect that. You know, I heard Lindsay Ellis once say that Arnold Schwarzenegger's best acting is nonverbal acting. 100%. True. And I think that is definitely true in this movie. I mean, there's other examples as well, but the way he moves, like, he has that shit perfected. And I'm not just talking about the gun handling, which mm. is, like, pretty famously, like, well-performed. I'm sure Brett can speak to that momentarily. But he moves, and he'll, like, he'll stand perfectly still, but he'll slightly adjust his upper torso to the right to, like, veer through a door. Like, he just moves in a robe. Not I don't want to say completely robotic, but there's, like, um... There's like a tactical method to his physical movements that is perfect. It's hard to like even understand how impactful these little decisions are on like the history of movies, right? Because the original plan was to have Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Kyle Reese character, who's not only, you know, on screen for way more than Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie is responsible for communicating all of the exposition of the movie. The Kyle Reese character has to explain like what the Terminator universe is. And like, like, sorry, Brad, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like no, they were saying that like he only has 58 words in this movie. And that is so fucking brilliant. And all of those 58 words fucking count. Definitely. Is his gun handling as Corey? Oh said? yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no. Um, yeah. Corey's right with it's become kind of iconic, probably more iconic in the second one, like the way he trained and the stuff. But in the first movie, he like trained with like eyes closed, blindfolds. And if you watch again, he, you know, it's a skill to be able to uh, discharge, get a magazine out, put another one in. And he's not, he doesn't look at it at all. He doesn't do anything. He's always looking ahead. He does it perfectly seamlessly, and if anyone's ever shot a shotgun before, it makes it really cool as a Terminator. If you see him shooting it, he's shooting it with one hand, one arm. He's not, there's no recoil. It's just some, it's really great details. And actually, I didn't know about this until I saw a video about this. Uh, Corey, you'll like this, I guess. Uh, is it Robert Patrick in the second one? 
Yes. When you watch again, he trained himself to shoot bullets without blinking because a, t- uh, a robot, a cyborg wouldn't blink. And it, if you watch it, it might, it stands out so much now. It's incredible. That kind of, those attention to detail. I don't know if it's Cameron, if it's the actors, if it's both, but it's amazing. And unfortunately, it's kind of a, a niche people who would get it, but like, it's just so cool. It looks so cool. And what you talk, like what Josh was talking about, people come up and shoot him. His nonverbal acting is so good. Like he stops and that's the way he turns around. It's, it's, this scene's like awesome. I can't even hold a gun without closing my eyes, but like, yeah. Right. It's the- impossible to, sh- <laughs> it's really hard. If you've been around a gunshot, it's freaking loud. There's air blowing in your face. It's just crazy. Don't you think this is a roundabout way to praise James Cameron, though? Like, he got Arnold Schwarzenegger to buy in, despite maybe an argument or two on set. Like, he's fully method Terminator cyborg. It's excellent all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a credit to the direction as well. Although I'm sure the actor took a lot of that responsibility on himself, like learning those things outside of shooting times. I'm willing to bet that's the case. Mm-hmm. But as he should, as the star and the titular character of the movie, right. though, and like I don't for this to be a directorial debut, it's really impressive. Like overall, like, and I, and I think that's kind of what I missed the first time I watched this is that this is a guy's first movie on a six million dollar budget, you know, and maybe I judged a little bit too harshly that way. But back to the, back to the plot, <laughs> they escape the police station. Kyle whisper away. And we get an, another flashback, or flash forward, I should say. Kylo, you already provided us some of this exposition. But do you like this fast forward? I think this is the longest time that we spend in future LA. And we really get to see some of the mechanics of what it's like to be in the post-apocalyptic, post-judgment day future. Yeah. The, uh, the cityscape, you know, post-judgment day where Kyle is from, where John Connor is the leader of the human resistance. It has such a great feel to it and look to it. Like I've talked about this on other Terminator podcasts that I've done. I've done a few now where like in Terminator one and Terminator two, they maintain the continuity of that look and feel perfectly, except Terminator two has better effects in that future in the post judgment day war. But to me, when I think of post-Judgment Day, it's always from these movies. It's not from Salvation, which is like, it has like a weird brown, uh, like, color scheme in my mind. Very gray. Yeah. But in these movies, like, I feel like it's always nighttime, right? Every time they show post-Judgment Day in Terminator 1 and 2, it is nighttime. But I feel like that's just, like, the scape of things. Like, it's always like that. And there's, like, this, like... I don't know, eerie, like, blue vibe about it. And the floor, like, everywhere in the wasteland is just human bones everywhere. (laughs) Like, you can't, there's no roads, there's nothing. You're constantly traveling across human bones and skulls. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think the depiction is, it's really wonderful to see here in this movie. Again, it's better in T2, but that's fine. Everything else is better in T2. So judging this movie alone, I, I just think it's a great premise. And I think it shows something that you don't see in T2, which is how hard it is to live that life and how really, like, sad it is. Like, when you see the kids in there and, like, they're <laughs> sitting by a bonfire in a television screen, you know, like, that's their life. That's kind of like how it is in California right now, right, Corey? Yeah, it's exactly the same. Right, Very similar, Brett. yes. Thank you, Gavin Newsom. But... <laughs> 
every now and then, Brett, I'll find a rat and we'll have a feast. It'll be a Thanksgiving <laughs> feast. <laughs> you in the TV? <laughs> Hell yeah, man. That's a TV dinner. <laughs> the original, but in the future. As much as I love those details, and as funny as the presentation is, like, funny, sad, of the TV, because you see the TV from the back, and they, like, pivot to the TV in the front, and you see that it's a bonfire, and that's a little bit of, like, you know... Not visual comedy, but at least some surprise. I, I just think that this beat is a little bit, I don't know, slow, though. And, like, this whole section of the movie, Stevie, really slows down. Because they go from this, like, under-the-tunnel thing uh, to a hotel. And it, a lot, a it lot of... grinds to a halt. You man. hate in Helm's Deep? A lot of shit... You hate in... Go ahead. <laughs> Do I hate Helm's Deep? Is that your question? Yeah. It's no well. It's just like in Helm's Deep, where they're like going through the halls, and it's like all the women and children hiding out. It's like women very similar to that. Children, but that's like in the presence of the movie, though, like where they're at currently. This is like a dream. Yeah. Presumably. So the it's the flashback that bothers you too. Yes. The flashback in this part of the movie, I would say, I I, I feel like it just kind of kills the pacing. A little bit, but uh, Steve, what do you feel like? Everything that happens in the hotel too. Like we get the sex scene here in the hotel. A lot of shit goes down in the hotel. Yeah, I don't like the flash forward flashback scene at all. It just really, really grinds the movie to a halt when it was starting to pick up decent momentum. And it's one of those things, in my opinion, as a singular movie. That's all I'm going to say. As a singular movie. I honestly feel like that flash forward could have been cut and nothing changes in the movie. The flash back forward? Yeah. Flash I guess it is a flash forward, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the flash forward. If you Wait, cut it's that time travel, so I guess if you cut that, I think nothing changes in the movie. The only thing that we really learn that's essential to the plot is that dogs can smell Terminators. Woo! But I don't even know how essential that is. Like Except in Terminator Dark Fate. I said singular movie. <laughs> in Terminator Dark Fate, if you become a good Terminator, dogs like you. So fucking stupid. But I'll say this regarding your guys' complaints about this. I think seeing this fucking hellscape really underlines the importance of Kyle's mission. Same. Like, how down and out these people are. Like, they need John to get this fucking situation handled. And Kyle does say, I've always kind of, like, maintained that he's kind of lying about this, but he does say that they were, like, starting to win. <laughs> <laughs> And I think he's lying. I think he's like kind of like, you know, or maybe he's being a little bit too hopeful or maybe it's an ego thing. Uh, but I don't know. I think that like it shows how fucking important this is. And it starts to become the movie. You guys said it slows down. It starts to become more about the relationship between Kyle and Sarah here. I think that, you know, is, is obvious, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't have a lot of time together, these two people, but they have something very strong together in a short amount of a time. A child. I've talked about talked about that on an, another podcast but i think there's something kind of like uh something relatable about that to me like the uh th that like brief yet strong connection and in their case it's like faded i know they they say there's no fate but what we make for ourselves but they all terminator the franchise as a whole will also go out of its way to kind of negate that line and I had uh, on the original, not to reference back to that too much, but on episode 18, I was like criticizing this movie because I had to watch um, Linda Hamilton's bags on a plane. And I, f I just really hate having nudity on my screen when I'm on a plane. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Josh, I feel like 
may this do you think the sex scene's gratuitous? I don't want to leave the witness here because I, I, I feel like two things. One, we do see her her bags and it goes on for a long time, but two, it's kind of the whole point of this movie, right, is the conception of John Con- Connor. So it's is the movie okay to linger on that? Where are you coming out on the sex scene? I remember you and Stevie saying the last time you reviewed Terminator that it came out of nowhere. But I think with how much violence is in this movie, the horror aspect of this movie, and the fact there's like a quick sex scene earlier in the movie between Ginger and her boyfriend, who's actually weirdly heroic, I think like it is set up. And I think showing the bags, as we used to say on spoilers, is something just 80s movies did. It's like expected. So I don't know, man. I, <clears throat> if we want to debate traveling back in time or falling in love with someone because of their picture or I don't know, some of that other stuff, that's fine. But. Or the machine choosing the line, fuck you, asshole, when he could have just said, go away. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Dude, he hadn't had his coffee yet, I don't think, or something like that. No Folgers for him. Does that make sense, though, Pap? That's kind of where I stand. Yeah, I get it. I, I just think that, like, I mean, both things can be true. If they, if the movie faded to black right after they started, like, making out hardcore, you know what I mean? Like, she kisses him, and then he finally kisses her back. And they kind of roll into bed and flight to back black. We would get it. You know what I mean? We would know it's get a sex it? scene. So you were on a plane. And yeah. I don't mean to get crude, but this is like the first time you've ever complained about female nudity on the pot. You're just really going to hang on to that. You saw this on a plane like six years ago, so you don't like it? Probably. Really? I don't have I I don't listen, I'm pro I'm pro all nudity on the podcast. I just feel like right. again, like like taking a step back though. The movie has like built up momentum and built up momentum to this point. It's the flashback and then this whole long, they're making bombs, they're falling in love, they're making love. And like post coital, she's like fake throwing the bombs at his face as like a joke. Like, think fast. Like, that's the movie could have ended all, right there hilariously. Think fast. <laughs> That's what Sigourney Weaver says in Avatar. Think fast, but like, why are you throwing yeah. <laughs> bombs at each other? That's not, that's absurd. Like, I just feel like this whole, like, this section You don't like been it when up. it's bombs. You don't like it when it's a piece of fruit. Think you, fast. You never like it when <laughs> someone fast. says think fast. Think fast. Yeah, it sounds like a video game <laughs> when they say it. But I, <laughs> I do really like, you guys talked about it a little bit, the Terminator vision when we get his POV. Brett, do you do you like that as well? Like when he's selecting like the dialogue options, like it's a video game. Oh yeah, it's I think like a classic one is in the second movie when it shows how many people he killed and it says zero point zero, and it's like how do you kill point something of somebody? But um, <laughs> that's a pretty classic, and it obviously gets better in the ninety two. But yeah, that's great. I mean, red I think is definitely like a primal color, and mm-hmm. uh, it really kind of like. With Predator, it really, I don't know, just catches you, gets your attention, makes you maybe start to sweat a little bit. It's, it's, it's definitely effective, I think. And I think, like we talked about earlier, you and me, Pat, earlier today, that there's not a lot of comedy. There's a little bit of unintentional comedy, but some of these lines that he says are just, just for funny, you know? I mean, whether they're meant to be or not. And that's one of them. I think it was 
cool that they did that again. That, I, I think it's cool. I like the Terminator vision. It's pretty sweet. Fuck you, asshole. This movie has the only like James Cameron intentional comedy that's ever made me laugh. And it's when um, Ginger's boyfriend's calling. And it's a little bit uncomfortable when he's like trying to do phone sex with Sarah and she's hanging on the line. But this dude is like fucking undeterred because it's like he oh, makes yeah. a fucking ass of himself <laughs> with her roommate. He goes right back to where he was gotta go as soon as his girlfriend <laughs> picks up the he phone. He doesn't miss a beat, you know. He like yeah. fakes her. <laughs> he's been like he worked on that and he's gonna fucking do it. You know, he knows it's a script like word for word <laughs> what he's gonna say. That actually like made me laugh this time. Around. I like it when he's like, "Don't make me bust you up, man." Oh yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he tries, man. I mean. He's I said he's it. weirdly heroic, yep. right? Yeah. He keeps going after it. Don't make me bust you up, man. But what do you guys think about that part where, oh, gosh dang it. She says, like, on your feet, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 so good. They reused the part, it in Terminator Genesis. Fucking spare me. The part where the boyfriend kisses Sarah Connor, like, in the hallway as he's saying goodbye. Like, at first, I was, like, super cringe-topia, but then... I was like, it's not, I, I don't know. It's fine. It, it, is it a weird 80s thing or something? I don't know. I think he's just a cool, good guy. You know what I mean? Like you said, he keeps going at the Terminator. It was a weird scene. Uh, it's weird. Would you kiss your girlfriend's roommate? Yeah, it's weird. Bap. They're European. They're close. There's no loss. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's weird, but it's not weird, Brett. Like, I expected it to be weirder, and then I kind of got it. She kind of seems to treat this dude like a brother. Like, just based on, like, her reaction yeah, when he calls brother. in mm-hmm. and he starts doing the sex thing, she's like, this fucking guy is such a clown, you know? And then, like, he's super embarrassed, and I don't know. I think their relationship is, like, well-established, just very platonic, and just whatever. Platonic people want to do that, it's fine. You just can't do that today. Can't make comedies today. <laughs> yeah, this movie can never be made today, Josh. Of that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It wouldn't be made because they wouldn't speed up Arnold Schwarzenegger's motorcycle in the same way during the chase. Stevie, <laughs> you said the movie could have stopped earlier. The, the producers wanted the movie to end in the giant um, semi-explosion when Arnold Schwarzenegger takes over the semi and the bombs they were making earlier. Um, Kyle puts one in the tailpipe and it blows up the semi. This is where the mo- This is where the studio wanted the movie to end. Do you think this would have been a satisfying ending? In the 80s, yeah. I mean, in the 70s, no, but in the 80s, 100%. Because, like, if they ended it there, like, how Reese would have lived, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that probably would have been sat- like satisfying because the ending feels kind of a lot like... Death, then fake out, death, then fake out, death, and fake out, death. But would I have been mad if it ended there? Not really. I agree with everything you said, Stevie, except that is literally the only part of the movie I remembered from watching this when I was like five or six or something. Like, I thought I would remember way more of this movie and a couple of the images I did. But it wasn't until like that sequence that I was like, oh, yeah, like that really stuck with me. So I, there's something sticky about it, even if it's not like story beat the best or something. Yeah, I think it makes up for it for how good the factory sequence is, because if this movie would have like petered out more, 
or just like gone on for longer w- with Dakota in Mexico, like maybe that would have been a little bit annoying. But I, I, I like the factory sequence a lot. Um, it feels like there's a lot of maybe a little bit on the nose, but like, you know, like the machines are like kind of helping them there. This is the current state of machines, the future state of machines. Corey, can you start to take us through what happens here in the last scene of Terminator, the, the, the famous factory sequence? Yeah. I mean, Kyle's fucked up at this point. Like, he has been shot, I think, a couple times. He can barely move. You know, Sarah is still able-bodied, but, you know, terrified and very much less capable in a combat situation than Kyle. And they're now in this factory. It's just them and the Terminator, who is now the fully exposed metal skeleton version of himself. And, uh, you know, he's chasing them down in proper stop-motion fashion. (laughs) <laughs> and this is where you kind of see uh, old technology flaws. You know, I think there are times when it fucking looks incredible, and that's when it's a, a large puppet. The problem, obviously, and you get this while you're watching it, is that they can't show wide shots of that large puppet because it's not, you know, it's not a human size, and they probably don't have the mechanics to do that in the way they would have probably preferred and in the way that I think was done in some of the other movies. Uh, So you have the stop-motion version for the most part, chasing them through the factory, kind of, you know, going through, like, these, like, small corridors, and, you know, there's a lot of machines, a lot of movement in here. It's, like, a very, like, you you feel the strong sensation of metal in this facility, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. that was intentional, right? This metal entity chasing you, and it's, like, the depiction of violence, like, the physical manifestation that's after you, and you're surrounded by metal. Uh, should I take us through all the way through it or should I leave it there? Well, I just want to say real quick too, there, there's a lot of great setups too, right? Like the fact that John, or sorry, John, that Kyle turns on all of the, like the factory equipment because it's going to distract the Terminator and they accidentally bump into, up against the hydraulic press. That's how Sarah knows how it works. But, but yeah, take us through like the final, uh, squashing here. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great aspect as well, Pappy, because he does say that the HKs aren't too bright. And, I, and again, I, I, I'm always confused about this. I think the standard HKs are more like the frontline, just robot soldiers, not necessarily the infiltrate Terminator units like this one. But we do see shades of what he said in this particular uh, Terminator because it, it's looking all around. It sees the movement. You can tell it has like movement-based tracking. So that does kind of throw it off. <clears throat> Kyle tries to go toe-to-toe with it, gets his ass fucking... Uh, and not killed right away, but very much so injured. But I do really love his last-ditch effort to take this fucking thing out. You know, you, you know it's like his last, uh, his last moment of life near, near abouts anyway. But he takes his little stick of dynamite, the plastique, and he just like inserts it right into this thing's ribcage and it blows up. But yet again, it's not enough to stop this thing. These things are hard to kill. He stated that before, and we see that uh, very clearly in this movie and, again, in some of the other Terminator movies. I love the depiction of this thing crawling at Sarah through this factory. Yes. It's a a scary prospect, you know? Like, she's hurt at this point. She's been wounded. She can't just get up and run. And this thing is coming at you no matter what. And it seems like it's fucking impossible to destroy. It's pulling itself along with its like fingertips, basically. At this point, that's all that's left. Is this too right. much? Like fake out 
real uh, fake out death, real death, Stevie. Is this what you're talking about here? Are you are you vibing with the factory sequence? Or are you like just kill this thing already? I mean, there's what two fake outs total? Three if you count the explosion outside. That's a lot of fake outs. I think one fake out's enough. I, th- I think three is kind of overkill. But it does speak to the unstoppable nature of the Terminator, right? Does it? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, this fucking thing is relentless. It's like, uh, you know, Kyle reset. It absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Thank you. And like, if if they just blew it up and like that was it, that line would have so much less meaning, I think, coming back to it, you know? Yep. I, I, I really like how machine-like and determined it is, but... You know, the iconic moment of her crushing it is pretty cool, too. Now, there's a line in here, which we'll get to in a sec, but I love seeing this thing get definitively killed when she crushes it with that large metal industrial press, whatever it is. You know, she does say the line, you're terminated, fucker. I have a feeling some of you guys will say that line sucks or whatever. Personally, I'm okay with it, you know, for this type of movie. It's just where the uh, the credit scene should have, like, stopped right there. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your working theory. The title comes in right there. Like that's wh- that's where that works. Terminated fucker. End credits. Real quick, when he's getting smashed by that hydraulic press at the end, the smoke that's coming off him—that's just cigarette smoke. The puppeteers were like smoking or whatever. Yes, somebody was blowing cigarette smoke there. When he was getting crushed, and his like red eye light is like fading slowly. I wish he would have said, I need medicine. That would have been on all the t shirts. <laughs> Forget I'll be back. And I just want to say, I, I love Terminator 2. You guys know that. I talk about it all the time. I think about that movie all the time, actually. The arm that is left, that is reaching for Sarah when he's crushed, you know? I love how that arm becomes a factor in the next movie. It's a big plot point. That's a huge plot point. The Mm -hmm. remaining Terminator was found and that this guy, Miles Dyson, studied this chip that was left, partially damaged, and this arm. And this whole event of Judgment Day and everything that happened happened because of this time travel event. And that's what I mean when I say there's like the no fate line, which they undermine specifically. Like the... The birth of John, I think, undermines that to some degree. And then the creation of the Terminators. The time travel has created this whole situation, which is uh, you know, kind of confusing, but also kind of fun. It's like predestination. No matter what they do, it's kind of stuck in that. I, I, I do wish, like speaking of the hydraulic press, I don't really get it. And maybe James Cameron's just smarter than me. I just wish it was like kind of like Sarah's humanity found a way to beat the Terminator rather than some random piece of industrial technology. You know, like I, I don't even, I'm not smart enough to know like to write what that means, but I think it's a little weird that like she beats out of control technology with primitive technology. That's, that's a small complaint, but Brett, I know how much you love this movie. Can you just take us through Mexico here? The the last little bit of uh Terminator, how it kind of it almost sets up sequels, but not really. It could just stand on its own. Yeah, so the last scene is, uh, I don't know, within nine months of this movie. Um, she's got 
just a classic 80s headband on, um, and you get the picture taken um, that becomes the picture that Kyle Reese has under his pillow at night in the future. So, and then, I don't know, you, you kind of find out, oh, yeah, this is Kyle Reese is your father. I mean, she has, I don't know if she actually says it, but she's heading to Mexico, which, as Corey would tell you, is mentioned in the second movie. That's where they grew up. That's where John grew up for a while. Um, those were good times, I believe. Some of the only good times he had until later. But that's it, pretty much. And she kind of talks about the future. And you said it perfectly. It's a standalone ending, but it's also a sequel setup. I really like that matte painting when she's driving off into Mexico, but there's like a storm coming from yeah. the side. I, I, it's like a great last shot to end the movie. But. That's all I had for Terminator. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we do yes or no? I do, but I'll, I'll wait till the end. Yeah, I mean, I talked about the physique of Michael Bean and him being very appropriate for a post-apocalyptic world, especially for a soldier. Jai fucking Courtney played Kyle Reese in Terminator Genesis, and he played this version of Kyle Reese, the one that travels back to the 80s for this movie, but the point in that movie is that the timeline changed. It's pretty so there's big, a bunch right? of different things that happen. He is fucking jacked like a WWF or WWE wrestler. Like he is insanely fucking yoked and it's always bugged me. And every time I see Kyle Reese shirtless, I think about Jai Courtney's insane physique. It doesn't make any sense. He would not be able to bodybuild. There's no creatine left post judgment <laughs> day. It doesn't make any sense. Do you fuck with creatine, Kyla? Yes. Good question. But I'm more like Kyle Reese's physique, so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually even know what creatine does. Uh, It helps your muscles store water, so they appear to be larger. You get swole, bro. I like Sarah Connor's Jetson shirt. We didn't mention that earlier. That's another final thought that I have. Brett, did you have a couple more you wanted to add? Okay, yeah. This is for Corey. And his friend Steve, I don't, I'm going to need a little help, Corey, on the geography. So. He's my friend, too. Cool. Um, Jeez. I, I don't, I, 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 that's awesome. I, I don't, I don't know him. So Jordan hates him. I only though. know him from the. <laughs> Bleep that out. Bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, bleep that out. Um, okay, so you have to help me a little bit with how well do you know the greater Los Angeles area? Uh, pretty well familiar. Okay, so the police station is 6000 South Boyle Avenue. That's what I have in maps, but it says Huntington Park, California. But if you look on IMDb, it says Vernon, California, which I believe are both really close to each other. But anyway, does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that's just L.A. as far as I'm concerned. Like, those are... Um, what do you call them? Uh, suburbs. Suburbs, I think, of L.A. Okay, so um, Sarah Connor's mom lives at 181 Spruce Lane, Big Bear, California. And that, with no tolls at night, is a two-hour and eight-minute drive. Okay, so you got also got thick Terminators probably driving fast. And if he gets pulled over, he's killing cops. That takes time, though, um, to kill the cops. Yes, that's true. And on the way back, he goes to... 7301 Santa Fe Avenue, Huntington Park, California, which is a two-hour and 13-minute drive. So while you're right, while he was mostly right, 
but he made it seem like it's a six-hour drive, and it's more like a four and a half or less. Yeah, w- w- when are they leaving? It, I think it's pretty it's, late. It's, night? it's 1984. What is the point of reference for this? He, Steve said that he didn't like that scene yeah. because it's a six-hour round trip. Okay, you might you might be able to shave off a couple hours, but, I mean, he's got to stop for gas or change cars or kill someone. Kill people. Take mm-hmm. a motorcycle. And, you know, I mean, even even on a motorcycle, it's going to be difficult to get around the LAX traffic. But you know what? We'll assume there's no traffic. Got and nothing but time. It was less populated back then. Maybe you're right. I may have spoke too soon. I've just been sitting on this for a while. I just wanted to make sure that you knew your thing. And you guys were close. So that's all I have. I have a lot, but I'm not going to get into just it. go ahead. This is our only time to Terminator. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Well, I think everyone, does everyone know the story of who they are? originally wanted for Terminator and they even and they even had pictures of him OJ um in some of the early stuff yeah OJ but OJ Simpson but one of the main reasons the they didn't player? do him is because he was oh yeah thanks yes. for specifying OJ Simpson <laughs> I I guys the beverage just <laughs> <laughs> a bottle well, of sunny OJ, you know. OJ Mayo basketball player <laughs> even though like, he probably wasn't born then um but they thought they were he was too likable too nice of a guy to be that, plus Cameron didn't really like the optics of that. I'll just leave it at the that. First spoiler, the first spoiler. The first spoiler I had before I thought of the Davy Terminator was OJ's didn't realize he didn't get the part and continued to method act it for the rest of his life. Jeez, <laughs> 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 too mean, too mean spirited. Other cool things I think that James Cameron did. You know when they're walking out of the tunnel and there's all that fog. Now I think this would suck as an actor, but now that fog is actually just bug spray. Ew. Can you... Fuck. That would suck, yes. Um, Doesn't seem safe. So they didn't want to have a stunt double for something, so when Arnold's on the car, and he's got smoke coming off of him, and then when he falls off the car and he's still got... He, James Cameron poured acid on him. And, LSD? Uh, so he's got... No, like, <laughs> corrosive acid on him. Um, now he was. He said he would do that. I mean, he didn't just do it. <laughs> but if you want to hear a surprise, if you want to hear an even better America's story. <laughs> listen to Swords and Shields. I, I have a funny story about James Cameron pretty much ruining a guy's hand. But that, if you want to listen to that episode, uh, Swords and Number Shields. Number two fifty. So. If you also want behind the scenes spoilers content, when Kylo was here hanging out with us in Northern Indiana recently. He was a little whiny about the mosquitoes when we were playing basketball in the evening. And you don't have mosquitoes in LA? I guess not, because they just like fog them like crazy, like in this movie. Oh, the smog? They can't live with all the smog? No, they die instantly in this atmosphere. <laughs> gotcha. So it's funny because someone mentioned mosquitoes out there, and then I mentioned it as well. But that's the only part that Josh remembers, <laughs> like is the fact that I agreed with someone else who brought up mosquitoes. Difficult yeah, right. California you contacted guy. me later and were like, you know, so I, did, I did get some mosquito bites. You know, you hit me up with that text later. Well, Josh was like, let me know if you guys get mosquito bites. So I do, and I'm some lunatic for doing it apparently. But that's fine. <laughs> Let me know, like I'm taking some sort of survey out. No, you were like, no, you're not going to get bit by mosquitoes. Let me know if you do. Okay. 
It's more like if you get bit by one, just go inside for a while, man. Like, <laughs> whatever. Do you guys know the original script had two Terminators coming back in time? The first one was going to be like the Arnold Terminator and Reese was going to kill him and then they were going to send the liquid Terminator back. But Cameron wisely realized that they didn't have the technology for that and was able to use it in Terminator 2. He waits. Uh, instead. Was there also a dog Terminator at one point? They, the studio, <laughs> the studio had like two requests. I don't remember the other one, but the other one of them was they wanted either Reese or a Terminator to have a cyborg dog companion. And Cameron's like, F you, no. So stupid. And um, James Cameron's dog, Wolfie, does make an appearance in the movie. And they use that name, Wolfie, in T2, incorrectly referring to John Connor's dog. Which dog is Wolfie? The German Shepherd at the, the German end. German Shepherd at the end. Yeah. Um, He's a good boy. Brett's last couple of notes have been about multiple turn- Terminators. And my biggest note for this movie is... One of my favorite parts now on the rewatch is the fucking other Terminator that like infiltrates the base. Oh, yeah. Like, it's his friend. I don't know what it was, but just the visual of it, I could not peel my eyes away from just looking at this semi Arnold man just shooting the shit out of everything. It was awesome. I loved it. That was actually, and that was actually a friend of his, and he was also a bodybuilder, and he was massive as well. Franco Colombo. Yep. That's cool. I didn't know that. Do you not <laughs> like that part, guys? It, I thought when I said that, everyone no, would be awesome. like, oh. Arnold bankrupted the bastard. <laughs> what? Wait, he bankrupted him? Why? Last action hero. Franco Colombo put up all the money for that movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wrong bastard. Yeah. movie to choose, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I met the actor in that movie. The kid? I was at his parents' house. The prehistoria yeah. kid? Yeah, the kid from My Girl 2. Oh, shit. Uh, one one real quick thing. We're kind of talking about trivia facts about Terminator stuff. I know I've been going into the sequels a lot, but it was eventually revealed in the Terminator series, I think in 3, through a quick like flash, a slideshow thing or something, that no. the basis of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator, the T-800, is from like an American military general, like some famous military figure. And mm. so they reused real people in the world of Terminator for the for the T-800s, for the Terminators that look like humans. And it's funny to me because I, I was thinking about it just now as you guys were talking. And it, just imagine, like, Abe Lincoln coming to kill you like, <laughs> yeah, or something like that, you know, like some recognizable <laughs> historical amazing. figure coming after you, like, with a fucking... Did you just say Abe Lincoln? Yeah, I mean, I guess... That's what I'm kind of equating it to, right? Or imagine, like, I don't know. Hey. Hey. That's, that's been Thank you. Blinken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Blinken. That's really cool. That's, that's, I didn't know that factoid. But why would he have Yeah, a, you didn't derail him at all, Brett. Why would he have a European accent, though? Corey's good. Corey's fine. I don't. <laughs> He's pissed on. Are those it for final thoughts? You got any more trivia, Brett? Those are good, though. I love yeah, those. I, I, yeah, it's Corey I okay? Going, but I'll stop. Corey just got... Corey, are you okay? I'm trying to think why he does the accent. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's go to yes or no. Eastus to Eastus this time. We're going to reverse the order. Brett, I believe that means we start with you. Yes or no for Davey Kerr. Davey Kerr, friend of the pod, friend of Big Dumb Movie, loyal listener. Thank you again, Davey Kerr. But what do you give his pick? 
Terminator. Okay, so some people... I, I didn't want to do this movie again because before I joined Spoilers, I don't know, so long ago, this was the only episode that I turned off before it was over because I was so mad and I was like, I'm never listening to this podcast again. These guys are wrong. What are they talking about? And now obviously I came back around, but I was really mad and I didn't want to do it again because, you know, I don't, when it doesn't matter, but I love this movie. It's one of my all time favorite movies. I've seen it dozens of times. I put me in the minority, I suppose, but I like this movie more than the second one. I don't know if it's better or not. I just like it more. It's a lot more doom and gloom, and I really like that. And it's the hardest of yeses for me. I think this movie's awesome. I love them both. I mean, Terminator 2, as far as sequels go, it's just unreal good. It's a lot lighter, though, even though it's dark, too. But both have great villains, and it's just awesome. Uh, I Believe it or not, I've only seen the first three. I keep wanting to see the other ones, but, like, I don't want to see the other ones, so... Like, I haven't yet, so... Hard, 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 hard. Cyborg, Vigo Mortensen, yes for me, so... I think I'm next, and you mentioned episode 18. We brought that up a couple of times in episode 250, Swords and Shields. A wise use of your shield. I'll say that, Brett. That was a good call to defend this movie. I'll, I'll give it a solid yes. Um, it's a lot smarter than I gave it credit for the first time watching it on an iPad on a plane when I was extremely cranky. Um, there's, it's not a perfect movie though. And I, I would say that like when I think about Terminator, I think most people think T2 and I think T2 is a perfect movie. And I think I like this movie more because T2 exists, but as a standalone like directorial debut horror sci-fi movie from the eighties, this is pretty damn near perfect I, I think there's a lot of like really small things like even like her outgoing answering machine message when it says something like um machines need love too there's a lot of like little details that i pick up that i don't normally get from a james cameron movie and this feels like he was just like very you know hungry and young and wanted to write a script that was so good that he could kind of parlay that into like forcing himself to direct that and he did that and he ended up being like a fucking movie genius so great premise for a movie underrated sci-fi time travel movie um and underrated as a horror movie i think too this is like a very scary michael myers like concept i said it follows there's a lot of things that there's so many things that have been influenced from the terminator a very solid yes not a perfect movie i still think we spend way too much time in like future la and i felt like some of the pacings off but um led to a perfect movie uh, very good movie. Josh, I think you're next. Sure. One thing I'm really curious about for Brett is that I know he doesn't like chase scenes. Mm. And this movie... Great ones. Huge percentage of it is chase scenes in cars and on foot, etc. They're throwing dynamite. <laughs> They're throwing plastic, not dynamite. Yeah, Go yeah. ahead. Sorry, Josh. I caught a lot of the Matrix sort of mythology in this. I think we could do probably like a full podcast kind of breaking down like the similarities and contrasting some of the stuff with this like post-apocalyptic computer machine-led world. 
I think that was pretty interesting. It's something I had running through my head a lot. And then just one last thing. We're talking about just like the movie making and James Cameron. And almost like going back to the CC's like conversation at the very beginning of the pod. Like sometimes it's nice to not have CC's because someone might say something and it's kind of an interpretation. Like you get the gist of what they said, but did you miss a couple things? And But the movie keeps moving and you got to keep up. Um, and I think like one scene that exemplifies that is Sarah Connor's like trying to call her roommate and like there's this piece of paper on the phone booth that presumably says like out of order, but it's on the wrong side of the tape or something. And like just the way it's set up where she's like listening to the phone and you can't hear anything as a viewer and then she looks at the paper and like gives up in disgust. It's it's almost like I feel like this movie is trusting its audience quite a bit along the way with like little things like that. And it it puts you in good hands from the beginning. It's a big yes for me. Can't say it's above T2, Brett. That's a bold, bold claim. But mm. I do like this a lot. Um, I mean, not Metascore agrees with me, so... Thank you, Davey Kerr. You got one of the best <laughs> Spoiler Man reads out there. You're the best. Clap it up for Davey Kerr. Uh, Stevie, six years ago, you and I were young men. You had just been married. <laughs> we had just started this podcast. We trashed pretty hard on this movie. Someone has the first to. time in Spoiler's history that we're doing a movie for a second time. I feel like this is going to be... Hinging Stop on if this movie's that. preserved or not. Shh. Yes or no, Stevie? Man. Um, I was thinking about this. Like James Cameron, I believe, is a Sith Lord because he deals in absolutes like wholeheartedly. Um, he has very few great characters in any of his movie. In any of his movies, and one thing I wish, like, one thing I wish this movie had done at some point is to not tell us right away who the good Terminators are, or like who the good guys are that both fall out of the sky from fucking lightning like Highlander. You could have had a point in this film where it's like a big reveal of who the good or the bad is. And even if Sarah Connors are getting murdered, you don't have to show who's doing it. You could have done some really cool camera work with that. But that being said... Um, I will give this movie a, a solid yes. I do like the horror aspects of it. Um, oh. Yeah, I just I despised how James Cameron despises his characters. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a solid yes. Uh, I like the horror aspects of it. I really, really don't like the flash forwards at all. Um, that's why at some point I hope there's a cut out there that knocks those out, including the sex scene. It being so long and kind of a weird fade to black with it, you can edit that a little better. But overall, for a launching point for, you know, Arnold was pretty big with pumping iron, but Terminator made him massive. And, you know, this launching James Cameron's career, solid yes. Huge turn. Didn't you say you liked the first Flash Forward? No, I despise Flash Forwards, Brett. I thought he said oh, he liked the liked first the, one too. Like the intro. No. Yeah, at yeah, the I very beginning. Liked, I thought you liked the Oh. Okay, okay. I you liked the setting of the future, didn't you? Yeah, it's like I like the miniature sets of like the the very, very beginning. 
Okay, I like that. Okay. I, just, I, I just don't I, I like midway through the movie being like, hey, let's go over here. And it just takes me completely out of the movie. I do not like that. I would like to note two turns from Stevie and I, no's to yeses. I, I feel like being consistent is overrated. You know, it's good to be able to grow and change over the course of six years. But last... Only only cis uh, deal in absolutes. That's all I'll say. Speaking of Sith, last but not least, Kylo Ren memes. Terminator Dooku. I have no idea which way this one's going to go. What do you give the original Terminator? <laughs> well, first of off, I uh, first of all I just want to say um Terminator Genesis is a really bad movie. I just want to say that one more time. I might not get another chance to on this episode. Absolutely awful. The actor that played John Connor as well, Jason Clark is made some really fucking Jesse Eisenberg choices with that that performance. It's really bad. I hate it. I hate how Skynet is an app. (laughs) And another thing, Stevie, you were talking about what things this movie could do that would be more interesting in terms of the revelations that are made. And then you proceed to describe Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I like that. There you go. I'm going to give this movie a yes. I really like this movie a lot. I think that the hierarchy is pretty clear for me. And it's, um, it's you know, it's subjective. But there's a right answer. And that <laughs> and that's that Terminator 2 is the best one. 80, 84% to 75, <laughs> yep. Mm. Uh, before I talk about the movie more, I want to say another thing too, before I forget, if any of our listeners are interested in reading some of the most bizarre, insane comments we've ever gotten for this podcast, they happen to be SoundCloud comments on the original Terminator podcast. Those are great ones. Pull up SoundCloud, find the original episode of this and look at the comments are just the insane incoherent ramblings of a madman it, they're hard to read in more ways <laughs> just than remember though that was, was it as pre cory pre josh pre brett i mean come on yeah the all-star team has has not yet been formed the but. good old days oh stevia intern <laughs> oh 21 comments on this guy <laughs> oh jeez. yeah they're not all friendly either i just kind of have to laugh at them so I really like what this movie does in its premise, and the premise is what is uh, my favorite aspect of this. Obviously, it spawned a whole franchise that will never die, much like Jurassic Park. You know, you get a movie with a good premise, and the uh, the media will continue forever. Now, that being said, we won't get any more Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator stuff. I'm pretty sure he's too old. But Terminator will live on because of how interesting this is. That being said, I think it works better as kind of like a prequel movie to T2. The way I was exposed to Terminator movies, the way a lot of people I know were, is that they watched Terminator 2 first and eventually saw The Terminator. Now, they didn't come out in that order, that's obvious. But everyone knows that in T2, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy. So there's no point in saving that reveal. Like, everyone already knows that. Everyone knows Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. There's not going to be any reveal there. So just throwing that out the window, I think if you're new to these, watch T2 and then watch The Terminator as a prequel because it really fills in a lot of stuff that T2 carries so much better. Like, it's a very solid, complete movie. Well, both of them are, but they complement each other well. 
I just think that's the the better order to go because I I mean Pappy can probably vouch for this. It really adds an appreciation for this movie <laughs> once you've seen T two. Am I right? Yep, a hundred percent. I like this so much more after seeing T two. But there's cool stuff in this movie. The horror angle is uh, is is very nice to see in this kind of action movie. It could have just been cheese ball action stuff, but you know they really add a level of threat to the Terminator because he's he's scary in the way he approaches things and he's systematic in the way he kills people. You know, he's always, uh, I don't want to say always, but he's oftentimes, like, shot from a low angle, menacing, you know, moving in a robotic yet fluid fashion. We talked about that earlier. I think it's really great. And what I didn't talk about that I also like is the love story between Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor. The actor Michael Bean once said in an interview that to him, this movie is ultimately a love story. It's it's an underlying love story. And I think that's... Uh, that's definitely present. I don't think that's like what's on the surface, but it's definitely underneath the surface. And I, I buy their chemistry and their connection. I think that, you know, it, like I said before, there's like something like mystical about their love that like surpasses time and space. And I think that's kind of what Kyle was trying to communicate when he said that he loved her for a long time before they met just from that picture. You know, you can read that one way, like the aspect of a lonely soldier who's never known the touch of a woman kind of thing. But, you know, I'd like to think there's something like beyond that, you know, something beyond like real world stuff. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things in this movie that are beyond our scope of real world. And I think that ethereal kind of connection is somewhat part of that. So anyway, a lot of reasons I like this movie. It's a good movie. But Terminator 2 is a great movie. Can I hop, can I hop in here real quick? Please. Okay. <clears throat> Again, I said Terminator 2 is awesome. Here's, I guess I don't get why you don't like a flash forward, but you'll take a minute dream sequence with an atomic bomb melting flesh off looks somebody. awesome. Because it looks amazing and <laughs> it it's iconic. So cool. Secondly, it's fuck. It's secondly, been used it's in countless movies. It looks kind of ridiculous. It is a cool... It coming at you is amazing. Her on the fence doesn't look as cool, but... Edward Furlong's hard to stomach. His acting is hard to stomach. Sometimes. He's not very good at acting. He's great. He's a little dipshit. He plays it perfectly. He's going through puberty literally through that movie, which is crazy. But is it not and realistic for know. someone to go through puberty? And act like a dipshit? Not when it's supposed to take place over, like, three days, but, hey, you know. I had something else, but I forgot. Uh, that's a- the, the come with me if you want to live and her running in the hallway is amazing, though. That's, like, such an awesome scene. Listen, I would say we might do a podcast on T2 someday, but Big Dumb Movie also already has a definitive T2 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Big Dumb Movie, and also make sure you follow uh, Davey Kerr's uh, Instagram, All Out 80s Movies. Um, Davy Kerr, great Instagram account. Um, and thanks again, Davy Kerr. Uh, I took a lot of crap right before the podcast uh, about hastily thrown together, thrown together stakesless closest twos. Uh, so I put a poll up for the Patreons. You guys voted. You said you like it, so we're gonna do it in honor of Pugsley. And by the way, this is for the greatest honor of all to toss to Spoiler Man and close out Davy Kerr's episode. Captain Captivity and taken care of properly, iguanas can live up to 
blank years of age. This is according to iguanacontrol.com. We'll go east to or, east. Go or yeah. if you guys would rather do Josh trivia, I have how many Sarah Connors, according to Spokio.com, <gasps> currently live in the larger L.A. area? Oh, wow. Do a math problem. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Who's up first? Which question am I answering? I kind of like Josh's more, to be honest. (laughs) I'm just taking the piss out of you, Pap. Can I guess on your... uh, Sarah Connors in LA? Sure. 115. Say LA or the greater Los Angeles area? That's a different population of about 30 million. Sarah Connors in Los Angeles, Riverside, Orange County, Metropolitan Area. Okay, so Riverside and Orange County are totally different counties. Yeah. Obviously, Orange County. And then Riverside is its own county. So that's even larger. It is a large area. I'm not going to lie. Possibly a full phone book worth of Sarah <laughs> Connors. God damn it. But who's, but I think up? I want people to vote on Earth like do both trivia's at the same time. I'm keeping track of mine, Pappy. You keep track of yours. Oh, we'll my guess is the same for both questions. Okay, Brett. My answers. My question. My answer for both is 59. Nice. Nice. <laughs> 69. Sorry. What is your question again, Pat? How, How long old can iguanas get? Yeah, if properly taken care of, kept in captivity. According to iguanacontrol.com. I'll say 44 for you, for yours. 39 for both. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 60-year-old iguana and a thousand Sarah Connors. So you would know. I, I You're probably closer than... Yeah, I mean, it's like 30 million people, right? Mm-hmm. Those freaking Irish, they know how to breed. Well, Pat, how do you want to do this? <laughs> you, Unprecedented. So on mine, you were the closest. You were off by 22. Uh, Iguanas can live up to 20 years of age. Young boys. Oh, wow. Poor Pugsley. No, that's Stevie's the closest then, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, what? Stevie's the closest. Oh, 39. yeah, because he got him at one. Yeah, Stevie won. What? I missed it. Sorry. Not on purpose. No, you're good. <laughs> Stevie also crushed it in mine. What? Sarah with an Sarah with an H Connors. There's 41. <gasps> so what? you were just too off. What the fuck? That's it? <laughs> you gotta love Freddie Mercury, bro. I'll say 39 for everything. This is according to Spokio.com, so take it for what it's worth, boys. Listen, trivia don't lie. Stevie, you're dual trivia champion tonight. Take us Let's out. Let's go. Take it to Spoiler Man. Um, should I just say take it away, or do I have anything to say? Or Throw in a hot take before you do it. Yeah, winner circle. Tell me what you think about Terminator Genesis. <laughs> no. Is that really, really what you want me to talk about? We'll say thank you to Davey Kerr one more time, too. Yeah, thank you, Davey, for uh, being an awesome patron. I know it's been kind of a minute before we got this out there, so thanks for being patient with us. Um, good call. Yeah, thank you for being patient with us. Um, man, what was I gonna say? Oh, um, I, I've talked about it a few times in the podcast. Kind of want to go to a little bit of a rant here, but 
you know, sometimes I'll say dad movies kind of like in a negative light. But quite frankly, I love dad movies. And if you haven't seen it in a while or if, you know, you haven't seen it ever, just do yourself a favor and go watch A, a Few Good Men again. That's such a great movie. I really, really fucking enjoy that movie. The acting's fantastic. You make, you make fun of me when I say that. What's that? You've made fun of me before when I say how much I Did love that movie. Did you just not hear my preamble? Uh, no, I wasn't listening. Uh, you said you make fun of dad movies. I said I know sometimes I talk about it in a negative light, but I actually love dad movies. And then I went and said, if you haven't watched in a while, I'll go see A Few Good Men. But, yeah, the acting's fantastic. The writing's awesome. Uh, still holds up well. Uh, Tom Cruise screams the entire time. It's really, really great. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, and without further ado, take it away, spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons. Dave Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Don't do that again. Matt Troll. What day is it? The date's well, May. Thursday. What year? Brother Brian. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? Druid King. Nothing clean, right? Nick. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. You close. The Meg. Give them to me. Now. David. So much pain. Pain can be controlled. You just disconnect. Nurse Stacy. It's a 15-day wait on handguns, but the rifles you can take right now. You can't do that. The Wolf. Ow, ow, ow! Here, doctor. Criminal psychologist. Is Reese crazy? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Barky 420. Come with me if you want to live. Total movie recall. Get out. PK. Fuck you, asshole. Spencer. I'll be back. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible.
Oh shit, I don't think Quiz Up is on the App Store anymore. I used to play that game long ago. Me too. I was like the top in, I think, Dragonlance for ever since they introduced it. Or, I as long as I that played. Is. It's a, it's a, a semi-obscure book series. <laughs> uh, have you ever read the Dark El- Elf trilogy? Uh, no, but it's um, it's it's similar to that in nature because it's like same like high fantasy D and D style, like Forgotten Realms, uh, Wizards kind of like those two companies are very similar when it comes to their um their books anyway. One of them makes video games, though. What's the company that used to have these really big, thick books with these really elaborate drawings on the front? They just, like, really sucked you, and they were, like, all fantasy. I mean, I guess that's probably a ton of companies, so. Um, see if I can figure out. You're either thinking of Dragonlance books, but a lot of the art from Dragonlance is, like, 80s-style art, so that might not be it. One thing about that, those elf books, too, is, like, I never knew how to pronounce the fucker's name. It's, like, Drizzt. Yeah, Drizzt. Like, yeah, and I don't like that shit. I don't have to think <laughs> that every time I read the name. So you, you started reading and you didn't like it, or what? No, no, I know of the character, because he's kind of, like, integrated in some of the Forgotten Realms games. Oh, is he? Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like a feminist dream, those those games. I love that book series, but I freaking hated the end. This is God, I was so about. mad. So it's woke, but no. they didn't go broke? No, I'm just saying, like, in that They're world, trash. the women elves are the rulers. They're really low. Oh, yeah, that's like D&D rules. Like the, the, can barely, it's like a really matriarchal society in the drought. Yeah, like, if the, if, the like that's the thing about Dritz. It's really cool. There we go. First get on. I read, I read that a long but time we, ago, though. But we, we couldn't Just hear a you. quick pause. Okay, that's good to know. It's a quick pause to say hello. What was it called? Uh, Dragonlance. Dragonlance, Dragonlance. My dream, if I had a billion dollars, would be to make a Dragonlance uh, series. Like, with like. on Mikey still? Lord of the Rings budget. And Stevie? I don't think this is it, because you're right. They're like really old. I think we're waiting on them, Josh. I haven't seen them. Both of them? I heard him. Yeah. I don't think Mikey's in. Stevie's uh, in. Mikey is not, as far as I know. You want to see a really classic 80s music CD cover, album cover? Look at Asia's debut album. It's like reminds me of pure 80s. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Reminds me of a video game I used to have on the Nintendo. What's the rule 34? Is that the porn rule? There we go. Are you looking Dragonlance rule 34? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Asia. Is it Lorana or Alhana that comes up first? Blonde hair or black hair? This doesn't even look like prawn. This just looks like it's from the books. Black hair? This looks like prawn. Uh, this image is actually from. This is a representation of one of the books. Yeah, this dude Gosh, tried to take over vacation. the Dark Kingdom, ended up in hell, and he's tortured like that, like every day for all eternity. What does that say? Well, you have to see a hot babe while you're chained up. 
sometimes she takes that form. You know, she's like the devil. She looks like different, uh, different like, like forms. Blue balls every day. <laughs> oh, this is tor- oh. torture. Chain me to the wall. Oh God, more. <laughs> <laughs> So this would be like the same two characters, I think, Pappy. Jamie to the wall. I like the judge. Not as much Dragonland Prawn as I would have thought. But yet we still live. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, we still live. Okay, see, so there's Lorana. <laughs> I knew it would be Lorana. <laughs> yeah, she seems to be the subject of all of the fan art. She's like the Arwen, where it's like she's like the hottest babe in the whole fucking story. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, come here. <laughs> What are we doing? Some of this stuff. Oh my goodness! I, that that just got my attention. <laughs> Think about that, that works uh, proportions, like the way his left hand is, and then like where his dick is. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It, it's got to be two people, right? <laughs> no, it's one orc. I like to imagine it's one. Hey, Stevie. Does the carpet match the pubes? What's up? Walked into some some prawn. Never mind the chat. Look at that. 11 votes, yes. Zero votes, no. For what? Because it was, it yeah. was a, a bias-based question. You didn't, you weren't neutral about the question. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hate <laughs> trivia? <laughs> well, no, we're no. asking our Patreon, our patrons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you like? have liked? No, no opinion as a third option or what? No, like, like in in a non-movie game podcast. <laughs> do you think it's important when it's late at that night? We do a closest to trivia, <laughs> no stakes, shoddily thrown together. All right, yes. I'll change it. I'll change it. It was shoddily thrown together. Oh shit! I just closed my notes. Oh no! All right, I'm ready. What? Test, test, Hold test. On. To restart my audacity. Test, test, test. Audio City. I've been having to direct on set a little bit more this year for my job. And every time it's four, three, two. Oh, yeah. Do the people see you? And I point. And I think of you guys with love every time. That's the point of the story. Can they see you? Does it go well? It goes real well. I feel like they, there's don't, a bit, they don't bitch at all either. I feel like there's a big eye roll once you're, once you're kind of out of like view. <laughs> Why doesn't Josh ever say one? Josh puts on a baseball his problem cap when it's his you turn to want, direct. You don't want your voice or echo getting in any of the handle of anything that could be usable. So it's just a habit. Maybe it doesn't make sense for the pod, but that's why I do it. You bring your little fold-out chair with your name. You put on the baseball cap. <laughs> You have like the the loudspeaker cone thing. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually. It sucked. Ask Pap. Pap, do it's I have it? It's actually sick. Mm-hmm. You do. It was impressive seeing you be the director. Director. 
You were a boss. You were running shit. Not really. Father Pete was, which is awesome, actually. Well, I'm trying to find... He, that boy just might make me Catholic, after all. What Gross. a good boy. This is Josh on set. Why is that gross, Kylo? I just thought of the worst possible meaning to that sentence, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Mortal Kombat, 1995. (laughs) Yes. When did you take that shot, though? (laughs) That's weird. I feel like I would have saw you coming up that close. Who did this AI spoilers art? Me. How'd you do it? Just run it through a filter or something? No, well, yeah, just the... Whenever you, whenever you Google AI art generator, the first one that comes up, Night Cafe. Oh, that's not the real one. The real no. one, like, you couldn't even spell spoilers right. It would, like, fuck it all up. It's really You're weird. You're killing me, Johnny. Don't leave me up here. Check, check, check. Johnny. <laughs> one last check, check for me. Check, check, check. Do I sound good, guys? All good? You sound great. You sound fantastic. I'm ready. Thanks. Whose pick is this? You'll find out in one second. Okay. Try. It's worth it. We ready? Ready. Josh, you want a redemption tour? Count us down? No, never Josh. Brett, you ready? I haven't heard Brett in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, five, four, three, two. That was spoilers.